Hey, welcome to Sunday Messages. We pray this message inspires and encourages you to go deeper in an overflowing relationship with Jesus. Every year, uh, millions of people all around the world think of January 1st as a day that everything's going to get better. This is a day that everything's going to change. Everything, we're going to make all these resolutions. We're going to be the better version of ourselves that we want to be. And we kind of commit to these resolutions and these, these sort of lifestyles, these disciplines that are going to make us better. And nine times out of ten, never, none of us make it past the first seven days. You know? and, uh, but we have all these great intentions. I, I love how Aristotle, he says this. He says, we are what we repeatedly do. You know, a lot of us, when we come to the end of December, we're like, hey, what did I repeatedly do and who have we become? And, and then we realize, hey, we want to do something different, so we want to try something different. And we focus on our actions and not our behavior. We focus on our outcomes. We don't really focus on the outcomes. So we focus, hey, if I could just do this and do this, do this, then I'll be something better. But there's something, a bigger conversation we need to have on. You see, the reality is that we form habits, and then those habits form us, Right? We form habits, and those habits form us. And I've discovered in my life is that sometimes the habits we form are very intentional, right? Like, I, I've intentionally formed a habit. Like, I've intentionally formed a habit uh, for me uh, of getting up every morning and reading my Bible. That is an, for, I had intentionally had to discipline myself and dis- eliminate distractions and, and make it happen. But then there's other habits that we form passively, meaning that we just sort of, they just sort of happen. <laughs> we just sort of stumble into this repeating cycle, which means we can form habits by the things we do, but also we form habits by the things that we allow, right? And a lot of us, if we evaluate our life, we realize that our life is a, is a pat, we have a lot of these patterns of things that we do intentionally and things that we just sort of have allowed to happen repeatedly and has just become a sort of a certain habit. And so it's like me snacking after dinner, sitting and watching uh, a movie, I have to have popcorn. It's like I need something to eat. And it's not something I've intentionally tried to do, it's just something I've just always done. And that is a hard thing to break. Can I get a witness? All right. I'm grateful that they, the big bags of potato chips are about this full because I eat the whole thing. So at least it doesn't feel as bad, you know. But, you know, we, we allow these things, and so we need to form our habits. I, I love how Paul, and so for some of us today, rather, it's a pretty sobering thought. When we evaluate our life and we look at the habits that we've formed, we've allowed to form or that we have formed, it's a pretty sobering reality. And I love, I was, I was just reminded this, uh, this week, I was thinking about it, as Apostle Paul, he writes in Romans, he says, I don't really understand myself or the things I, I, I want to do. I do want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I actually do what I don't want to do. I do what I hate. And, and that's a pretty sobering reality that some of us, we're like, hey, I can relate to that. Those things that I actually want to do, I don't do. And those things that I don't want to do, I actually do. And I find myself in this tension. So if you're in that world, if that's your life that you're sitting in right now, we're like, I want to be this, but I'm doing this. And I don't want to do this, but I end up doing it. You're in good company. All right? This is the tension that Paul was facing. And honestly, I think every one of us in this room, to some level, would be able to say, yeah, that's me. I have these desires to be something different, to be something more, or to be something better than I, the things that I actually do. And so our habits are really important, and we're going to just spend some time talking about habits. You see, the misconception I think we often believe, myself included, is that we are physical beings experiencing momentary spiritual experiences, meaning we're physical beings, kind of like our Monday to Friday life or Monday to Saturday life is like the physical being of eating, working, living, doing. 
And then we have this spiritual experience where we come to church on Sunday. We have this one-hour experience where we have maybe pray and we worship and we open God's word. We have this sort of a spiritual enlightenment or we, maybe we're in a morning prayer or whatever. We have these spiritual experiences. But the misconception is, and actually, if you read all throughout Scripture repeatedly over and over, is the opposite, is that we are actually spiritual creatures living a temporary physical experience, existence. First Peter tells that we are aliens on this world. We're just sojourners passing through. That we are actually created in the image of God as spiritual beings living a very temporary, and I know that sometimes it feels long, feels like a long time, but really in the, in the span of eternity, it's a very short time, living a very short spiritual, uh, physical experience. And so while it's important for us to focus on habits and disciplines and resolutions that shape and strengthen our physical life, I think that's being good stewards of what God has given us, how much more important is it for us to shape and strengthen our spiritual life if we are, in fact, spiritual beings that will live beyond this physical realm? And I think that's just an important question that we need to ask. And surprise, surprise, we're having that kind of conversation in church. You know, talking about our spiritual health, our spiritual being. How do we grow stronger and, 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 and shape the, 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 the spiritual life that God has Given us, And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about these spiritual habits, these, these creatures of habits by talking about prayer, by talking about fasting, by talking about confession and study. And we're going to dive into this and try to shape and, and strengthen our spiritual beings. Because again, I, I've said this before, I, I'm not a prophet, but, but I just believe that 2024 is going to be a year to look back and sort of remember. I think it's going to be a year where we just need the Spirit of God strong in all of us. <laughs> Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need a strong spiritual life this year. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, I just had this sense in my heart that God is telling the church to get ready, to have a strong spirit, to build up disciplines that are going to be able to withstand the storms and withstand the hardships. And so we need to start with prayer. We need to start with building that strong foundation. And so as we start about prayer, here's a question. just want to ask you a couple questions. I'd like you to think about them a little bit. So what would your relationships look like without conversation? Like what would your relationships at home look like if nobody talked? Some husbands are like, <laughs> just joking. I'm just, jo I'm just joking. That's, that, was, that was mean. <laughs> but. Right? Or, or, or how about this one? What would your relationships look like if the only conversations you had with one another were asking for something or complaining about something? All you're doing, and the only time you ever talk to each other is when you're asking for something or complaining about something. What, what kind of relationship would that look like? What, what kind of health would you define that relationship to be? How healthy would that be? Unfortunately, that's sort of how a lot of us treat prayer, is that we want a relationship without conversation. When we do talk, we're usually asking for something or complaining. And as prayer, I'm here to propose to you, I think prayer is so much more than that. I think God has it in his heart that it would be more, deeper, richer, healthier than that. And I think some of us, honestly, we just miss out on this beautiful privilege, this beautiful opportunity of having prayer with God and conversation with God because we just limited it to something so simple and so minute. See, Paul encourages us that we need to pray without 
ceasing. And I'm not saying that we need to walk through life, you know, saying the Lord's Prayer every day, every, but, but there needs to be this idea that you are constantly in conversation with God. That you're constantly in conversation. You're always aware of his presence. That you're always aware that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, in every situation, in every season, no matter where you're going or what you're going through, that you know that you can pray. That pray needs to be, prayer needs to be our priority. Some would actually say it should be our priority. Wait for it. James Nixon emailed me that this week. I told him if it worked, I'm going to take credit. If it bombed, I'm blaming you. I'm blaming James on that one. <laughs> Dad puns here. It's our priority. Sorry. You guys got to work with me a little bit. You got to work with me. It's hard getting up here and trying to impress you every week, you know. I tell you what. But it should be our priority. And here's the root. Here's the big idea I want you to remember. If you can remember one thing, here's what I want you to understand. Is that prayer is our relational interaction with God. And I, I, I use that word R because I really want you to understand this is a very personal thing. It's not just a relational interaction with God. It's your relational interaction with God. Like prayer is your relational interaction with God. It's how you connect with God. It's how you talk with God. Prayer, simply put, is a conversation with God. And it's your opportunity to share your heart with God, to let him know what's going on in your life. And so today we're going to explore really quickly what prayer does or why we should pray. Like, why is the power of prayer? And then secondly, well, how do we actually pray? Because it's one thing to say, hey, pray more. But then you can be like, well, I, what do I do? Right? That's why the 21 Days of Prayer devotional challenge is actually great because it's going to walk you for 21 days how to actually pray. You know? So some of you need to get started just for that fact alone because it's going to teach you actually how to pray. But we're going to tiptoe into it a little bit this morning. But before we do, here's three thoughts really quick on why we should pray, the value of prayer, and then we'll get into spending a little more time on how we should pray as Jesus taught us. The first thing we understand is that prayer connects our heart with the heart of God. So here we know that prayer provides us the opportunity and the ability to connect with God, the opportunity to encounter God and actually have a conversation with God. So it brings us into the presence, very much like having a conversation with a friend. You can sit down, you can connect with them, you can, have, you can converse with them, and you can share what's on your heart. It's an opportunity to kind of unload your, your heart, your feelings, your fears, your joys, your anticipations, and you get to share those things with God. And not in doing so, you also get to hear from him. See, this conversation with God allows us to share and engage and connect with your creator. This interaction can look a lot like worship or, or confession or thanksgiving, uh, where you're even, or direction, where you're seeking for direction and help. And here's really the biggest thing you need to understand, is that because prayer is rooted in relationship and not religion, because it's rooted in reuniting versus over rituals, it flows from this desire to know God and be known by him. Really, the, 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 the anchoring point of prayer is like, I want to know God and I want to be known by God. Like that, that earns, it's not, I'm not just doing a ritual thing. I'm not just going through some religious duty. It's not because I have to. It's because I get to. It's I have this opportunity to know God personally. I love how David, King David articulated it in Psalm 27. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord. Like one thing. This only, thing, this only do I seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. What is David saying? He's like, I want to know God. Like, I want to be, I want to be close to God. 
Like, I want, I, want to, I want to dwell in his presence above every other thing that I have and every other thing that is my responsibility and all the other opportunities that I have and all the, the people that I'm able to encounter with and, and people that I'm able to know. I want to know God. I want to dwell in his presence. And King David, in that day, the only way to get to, the, to know God was to go to the temple. He had to go to the temple. He had to dwell in the house of the Lord. New Testament, we are the temple of God. The Spirit of God lives and dwells within us. We don't have to go anywhere to pray. We can just pray that the Spirit of God dwells within each and every one of us. If you're showering, if you're, you're going to work, if you're driving, if you're walking, if you're, if you're sitting at your kitchen table, wherever you find yourself, you can pray. You are in the presence of God. And to dwell in the presence of God, to know him and for him to be known in you. See, prayer starts this deep awareness and even this desperation to know and grow with God and spending time with him. So what does it do? It connects our heart to the heart of God. We see, secondly, that prayer unites our hearts with the hearts of God's people. It unites our hearts with the hearts of God's people. And have you felt it before? Maybe you've, maybe you've been in a, in a small group, or maybe you sit around the kitchen table and you're having prayer, or you've come to a prayer meeting and you realize that as we pray together, something is happening in our spirits that is uniting us together in a common cause or a common pursuit. There's a bond that is sort of un- intangible, and un- we can't really define and describe it. It's been said that people who pray together stay together. I believe families who pray together stay together. I believe couples who pray together stay together. I think there's something about prayer that unites our hearts together. Jesus spoke this, and when Jesus spoke about prayer, he had sort of one thing on his mind, and if you've been around long enough, you understand that I believe the story of Scripture is all about God's pursuit to unify his people back to himself. Like, it's a story of unity. And he wants to unite us, not just together, but back with himself. And we see this in Jesus' prayer in John 17. Jesus is praying this to the Father. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. And the them alone he's talking about in this context is the disciples, those who are following him, those who are with him in those moments, in, that, in his teaching. But I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, through the stories that they tell, through the messages that they preach, for the, the going and the telling that they are gonna share, that all of them will be one. He's like, I'm praying that everyone will be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may the ones May they also be in us so that the world, world may believe that you have sent me. What is Jesus saying? Listen, I want you to be united together in common pursuit. I want you to be united together in common heart, in common purpose. That prayer not only just connects our heart to the heart of God, but it connects our heart to the hearts of God's people, unites our hearts one to another. We see that prayer also aligns our heart with the heart of God's purpose. It also aligns our heart puts us into alignment to what's really the most important thing. See, if you're ever to read through the letters of Paul to the, to the church, you'll see that there's one thing you will not find in any of his letters. You'll never find him praying for a change in their circumstances. It's funny enough, even Paul, Paul, a lot of his letters he's, wrote, or he's writing from prison. He's writing from being beat up and, and, and whipped and imprisoned and, and starved from being shipwrecked. And never once does Paul pray for a change of circumstances in his own life or even pray for circumstances to change in the church's life, even under incredible persecution. But what he does pray is that they would get a new perspective, that they would understand the heart of God and that they would actually see God differently. You see, for Paul, the heart was for to see Jesus clearer, to know Jesus better, to align our hearts with the purpose and the hope that God has called each and every one of us to live in. See, prayer is not for God's benefit. It's for my benefit. 
Prayer doesn't change God's heart. Prayer changes my heart. Prayer, doesn't, prayer allows me to get all of God when I give him all of me. Like in that full surrender to, hey, God, I'm giving you all of me. Am I able then to get all that God wants for me? I love how Timothy Keller, he says, Paul doesn't see prayer as merely a way of getting things from God, but a way of getting actually more of God himself. See, prayer isn't us going to the bank and asking for a withdrawal on stuff. It's just, it's getting to know God more. I want, more. I want to know more of God. I want to know his heartbeat. I want to know his purposes. I want to know his will. I want, I want to know everything that he has for me. And I want to engage in conversation with prayer. So prayer connects our heart with the heart of God. Right? Maybe you're like, I don't, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Pray. I don't know what God wants me to do. Pray. I don't know what, God, I don't know what, the, what God's doing. Just pray. Connect your heart to the heart of God. Unite your heart with the hearts of God's people. I believe that's why I love doing these devotionals together. Honestly, I think it unites our church around a common cause and a common prayer. And I think in doing so, unites our hearts together. That we're going through things together. We're praying through things together. We're having a common pursuit and a common prayer. For that alone, I love it. And then I also think it does is it aligns our heart with the hearts of God's people, God's purpose. So, hey, what did God want us to do? We're, we're staying close to the heart of God. And I believe this is the value of prayer. There's so many more we can get into, but on the top three, I just think there's something powerful about this. And really, at the end of the day, is that prayer is our relational interaction, right? It's our relational interaction with God. It's how you and I get to connect with God. I was remembering uh, several years ago when my kids were little, and uh, they're not so little anymore. I'm having to look up to them now. But when they were little, and you were trying as a dad, especially if you're a dad of boys, you're trying to get your boys to be boys a little bit, right? To like man up at three, you're, you know? <laughs> and you get frustrated when they're, when they're not? Anyway, that's another story. But I remember this one time being in the pool, you know, we're in, the, we're in a pool at the time, and my kids are on the edge, and they got their water wings on, and their, their glasses, their goggles on sideways, and all that stuff. And, and I'm like sitting, I'm like, jump, just jump in the pool. And they're like, they're like terrified. They, they want to do it, but they're also scared to do it, you know, that, that feeling. And you're like, encourage them to do it. I actually remember this happening not too long ago, Pastor Spencer and Silas were at our house one time, and I remember that actually happening vividly, and seeing Spencer's compassion and grace to Silas. But I remember these kind of moments, and, you know, you, and you're like, just do it. Trust me, I'll catch you. I'll catch you. I'll catch you. And they're like, yeah, yeah, are you going to catch me? And, and, and eventually, eventually, they muster enough courage to sort of flop or fall, right? Not jump, but at least fall. And you catch them because you're a good dad, even though you want to drop them just for fun because <laughs> you're a dad. <laughs> That's what dads want to do. <laughs> Moms don't get that, but dads understand it. And, and you catch them, and then they realize, hey, they didn't die. They're okay. Everything's good. And you put them back up. You're like, okay, let's try it again. And then it, eventually they get a little more courage, and they do it again. And then before you know it, they're now saying, more, more, again, again. And you're like, I'm tired. Let's go eat. You know, no, again. They want to just do it over and over again. I started thinking about that a little smart. I know this story's a little bit, doesn't necessarily fully connect, but it does in some ways. Is that sometimes I think we're afraid to pray because we're not really sure what to do or what's on the other side of it. But I've realized in my life is the more I actually do it, the more I actually hunger for it. The more I actually pray, even scared, I've got this phrase in my life and I've come out and committed to it, I'm doing life, I'm just doing it scared. I'm just sort of, there's a lot of things that are happening in my life, in the ministry, in the future even of our church, and I'm just sort of committed to doing it scared. (laughs) 
Because I think fear holds us back from a lot of things. And I think prayer is sort of this one thing. I, I just don't know what's on the other side of this. And I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know what God's going to say. Listen, I'm just going to commit to doing scary. And I've, I believe as we continue to do it, as we continue to operate in prayer, as we continue to increase our hunger for prayer, we just got to simply pray more. It, it, the more we pray, the more we'll want to pray. And I'm not saying you got to commit to an hour every day, but start with five minutes. Do something and just be consistent at the simple steps and you'll continue to grow in prayer. You see, Jesus hungered for prayer. Listen, Jesus is a great example in Scripture. More than 40 times in the gospel, we see that Jesus withdrew from the crowd to pray. In fact, Jesus preceded everything that Jesus did. Some of his biggest ministry moments were always preceded by prayer. We see that before walking on water, Jesus prayed. Before choosing his disciples, Jesus prayed. Before multiplying the fish and the loaves, Jesus prayed. Before the transfiguration, Jesus prayed. Before traveling through Galilee to preach and perform miracles, Jesus prayed. Before the greatest moment in all of history when Jesus submitted himself to death on the cross, Jesus prayed. See, Jesus formed and modeled for you and I this habit of repeatedly seeking the Lord in prayer. And if it was something that God, Christ, who is God, had to do, then I'm pretty sure it's something we should do. Like if Jesus needed to pray to the Father, then I'm pretty sure you and I need to as well. Not only did he set an example for us to follow as his followers, but he set a precedent like, hey, you need this. If you want to do anything for me, you need to be clothed in prayer. You need to pray. And so one of these times in Luke 11, 1, and one of these times that he was praying, one of his disciples comes up to him and says, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? Like, we see you praying, we hear you're, 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 you're telling us we need to pray, but John the Baptist is teaching his disciples how to pray. Can you teach us how to pray? And I love how Jesus responds, and Jesus responds what we know now is the Lord's prayer. And I believe in Jesus' response, what he does, he gives us a pattern of prayer, not a cookie-cutter thing that we have to say the Lord's Prayer specifically, but there is a pattern of prayer that we can follow to shape some of our prayers. Because if you're like me, sometimes I need a little bit of direction because I get squirreled. You know, squirrel! You know, I get lost, right? Or I get focused too much on me in my prayer and not on God in my prayer. And so we need a pattern of prayer. And so here we see in Luke, in Matthew's Gospel 6, I mean, chapter 6, verse 9, it says, this is how you should pray. This is Jesus responding to the question, just from a different gospel. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And so here we see that Jesus gives us sort of a pattern of prayer that we can follow to teach us how to pray. And some of us, you just need this pattern. I think if you can just even write down this pattern in your prayer time, not only will you be able to pray like Jesus has prayed, but you'll realize that actually you can pray a long time when you actually have a focus of how you can pray and a pathway that you can pray through. So this kind of prayer, what it does, it connects us to the heart of God, aligns our priorities with his, and it helps us live dependently on him alone. And so here's what it is. It's funny, it's funny I, in pre-service prayer, I, I do this a lot, as I'm actually praying through this in my mind. I, I'm praying through the, the Lord's Prayer and then stopping and then l- looking at it as a trigger point to pray for certain things. And the first thing we do is, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is a, a pray, we pray with praise. We start with praise, right? We don't start with me, we don't start with want, we don't start with need. We start with praise, we acknowledge 
God for who he is, full stop. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We praise God for who he is, not even for what he's done, not for what we want him to do, for just who he is, that he is the creator, the maker of heaven and earth, that he is above, not below, that he is the head, not the tail, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We praise him for who he is. I love how in this text, Jesus is teaching us that God is both approachable and set apart. It's beautiful. He says, our father, hallowed be your name. Like, he's telling us, hey, God is both approachable, but he's also set apart. Meaning that God is, God invites you into this personal relationship that he wants you to connect with him. He wants you to talk with him. And Romans 8, 15 says, so you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit, which he adopted you as his very own children that we can call him Abba Father, best translated like daddy. Like not just father, not just like daddy. Like this beautiful relationship that we get to have with God. Jesus is saying you can have that kind of personal, close relationship with God. But don't forget that he's also holy and he's set apart. And how you get into the presence of God, he says in Psalms 100, that you may enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You give thanks to him and praise his name. How do you get into the presence of God? You praise him. You acknowledge him. You acknowledge that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that his name is above every other name. And Proverbs 18 tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it. When we go into the presence of God, there we find safety and security. We are saved. See, the name of God is, is approachable, but it's different. It's approachable, but it's set apart. And we get to get to the presence of God by acknowledging that he is God and I am not. I'm not coming into prayer by telling you what I want. I'm coming into prayer to acknowledge who you are. You see, the name of God, God is righteous. Meaning that God can make us clean. God is our sanctifier. He's called us and set us apart. God is our healer. He heals all of our diseases. God is our banner, which means he has defeated all of our enemies. God is our shepherd which means he speaks to me and he, and he leads us. He's our peace in every situation, in every storm. He's our provider and he supplies for all of our needs. The name of God is our refuge, is our strong tower. He is approachable, but he is different. He is set apart. And so we come into the presence of God. We come into the presence of God through prayer by acknowledging who we are praying to, right? Secondly, we pray, listen to me, his priorities, his priorities. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Listen, when we come into the presence of God, we pray kingdom priorities, we don't pray our preferences. It's a big difference. We pray what he wants us to pray. We pray the things that are on his heart first. We don't ask him to align with us, we align with him. Some of you, come on now. How many times do we go in prayer and we're asking God to align with our needs and our wants and our priorities, our preferences? No, 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 no. We don't, we don't change God. We change into align with him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness, meaning there's a, there a better way. There is a different way. There is a different standard. You need to seek that first. 
When you seek that first, then everything else will come into clarity. Then everything else will take me taken care of. Then everything else will make sense. Seek his kingdom. Seek his righteousness first. You see, I think a lot of times we approach God the wrong way. And when I say we, I mean we, like myself included. A lot of us, we approach God and we start with, and we present our needs as sort of an ultimatum. We say, okay, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. Am I, I don't know if I'm the only one who prayed that reaper. Like I'm praying, but I'm praying my priorities. Hey God, if you answer this prayer, if you do this, if you respond, if you make a way, if you heal this, if you forgive this, if you do this, if, 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 then I will. That's not how it works. We don't set the terms of the relationship with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There's only one king in the kingdom and it ain't you or me to be clear. Seek his kingdom above all else. See, God, if, God, if we want God as a savior, we have to acknowledge him as king. We talked to this on Christmas Eve, you're with us on Christmas Eve. Like, we love that God is our savior, we love that Jesus is our friend, but we also have to recognize that Jesus is our king, that he is the king. And if there is only one king in the kingdom, we need to align our heart with him. And again, if we want all that God has for us, we need to give him all of us in full surrender to who he is. See, when we, acknowledge, when we acknowledge God's wisdom and sovereignty, when we pray his priorities first, well, what are God's priorities? Can I tell you some of them? His name is one, is salvation. God's priority is souls, his people. His priority is those who are far from God. He wants those who are far from God to know his son, Jesus. That's his priority. That's why we, are, we just continue to preach Jesus. His priority is care. He cares, he's caring for the poor and the marginalized. His priority is freedom, that those who are in bondage to sin and unforgiveness would be set free. His priority is unity, that, those, that for the church and his people, his priority is obedience, that you and I, it's not just what we do, but that we do it obediently to his purpose, to his leadership. His priority is honor, that you and I would be people who would learn how to honor those that God has put over us, even the ones we don't like. Like these are some kingdom priorities that we need to be praying through and aligning our hearts towards before we start going through the wish lists of the things we need. To enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Second, thirdly, we pray then for provision. This is where Jesus then gives us the opportunity to say, no, pray that God will give you what you need. Give us this day our daily bread. I love how he says, give us this day because he's hoping you come back tomorrow. Give me, don't give me this year, give me this week. No, give me this day, what I need for today. You have enough worries for tomorrow. You don't need to worry about tomorrow's worries. Worry about today's stuff. Give us this day our daily bread. See, everything we have is a gift from God. Jesus invites us to pray for our needs, to actually present our requests to God. The psalmist in Psalm 121 says, I looked up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? He says, no, no, no. My help comes from the one who made the mountains. My help doesn't come from the mountains. My help doesn't come from any earthly supply or any natural phenomenon. My help comes from the one who created it. He is the one where my help comes from. So I'm gonna look, I'm gonna lift up my eyes to the heavens where my help comes from. And because we are praying to the one who made the heavens and the earth, then so Paul says, listen, then you don't need to worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he has done. Listen, because we understand who we are praying to, we can come with a sense of confidence to present our requests to God. 
and we will conceive from him a peace that passes all understanding that everything is going to be okay. I've heard someone said, if, if we serve a God who rose from the dead, everything else is going to be okay. Like if we serve a God who said, I'm going to rise from the dead and actually does it three days later, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like we serve a God who created the heavens and the earth, who created the mountains, formed the seas. So because of that, we, can, we don't have to worry about anything. We can pray about everything. And this is honestly where God, Jesus invites us to pray about everything, to pray whatever's on your heart. I am so thankful that scripture even tells us that even those things that are in our life that we don't even know how to articulate, that the Spirit intercedes even the groanings of our heart. Some of you had those kind of prayers. Where you're in, you're in the presence of God and you don't even know how to articulate what's on your heart. It's so painful. I'm just so grateful that even in that moment, God hears your prayer. And he, he, he interprets your groanings and understands your prayer. Fourthly, we can pray for pardon. Pray for pardon. Forgive us our sins as we have also forgiven our debtors. You see, when we turn away from our sins and receive his forgiveness, our hearts are more prepared to forgive others as well. I would, it is so hard for me not to preach a message on every one of these five things because it's so, there's so much in it. But the power of forgiveness that if we forgive, if we release forgiveness to God himself to forgive us. I love how John tells us, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify, of, purify us from all unrighteousness. The, the key word there is if. We gotta, we gotta forgive. If we forgive our sins. If we confess, rather. If we confess. If we make known, bring it to the Lord. St. Corinthians 12 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses for in Christ, for that's when Christ's power may rest on me and complete me. Listen, there is this, there's not something that, that we are stronger in when we understand our weaknesses. We recognize of our, our lack, our inability, our, our, our shortcomings, our failures. It's when we confess those things, not only do we receive forgiveness, but we also receive the power to overcome them. And we can celebrate that. Yeah, I can't do this in my own strength. I can't do this in my own might. I can't do this in my own will. But but by the grace of God, and many of us are here today, but by the grace of God. That in and of our own strength, listen, I'm here to tell you, you don't need to worry about strength for tomorrow. Just receive the strength for today. Because the strength for tomorrow is coming tomorrow. Just take it the strength day by day. Psalms 139, search me, oh God. Love this. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is David's prayer. Dangerous prayer. <laughs> right? That's a dangerous prayer. Search me and know my heart. See if there's anything inside of me, any, any wickedness, any sinful nature, any sinful thoughts inside of my heart that are unconfessed. And make me pure in your eyes. To be this type of person where we actually, because of our relationship with God, because he is good, because he's fair, but because he's just, that he allows us to engage in this sort of vulnerable relationship. And we receive his healing and his forgiveness and his grace. And lastly, we pray for pardon, for protection rather. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, scripture is clear that we have an enemy trying to steal from us and kill us and destroy us. Like we have an enemy of our soul who's trying to take us out. Yes, Christ came to give us life and life to the full, but the enemy exists to destroy every opportunity for that, every potential for that. And when we pray, here's what happens. There is a spiritual battle taking place and we stand against the enemy and we fight from a place of victory through Christ, empowered by the Spirit. 
We're not fighting in our own strength. We're not fighting in our own might. We're not fighting in our own power. But we're standing in the victory that Christ has already conquered through death on the cross, through resurrection, and through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and through our prayer. We're standing in that, and we can pray out of a sense of victory. We can pray with a sense of confidence that lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Those thoughts in my mind, those those temptations to go off track, to, to pull away. God, give me the strength to stand for truth, to walk each step along the way. You can come on, come on up, Roxanne. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Ephesians tells us, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers in the dark world and against the spiritual forces of the evil realm. Listen, there is, a, there is a spiritual battle, and again, it confuses a lot of us, but there is a battle that's happening that we cannot see. And the only way to win a spiritual battle is through spiritual means. We cannot win the battle in our physicalness, in our physical ability to overcome, but we need to win the battle through our prayer. The Word of God. I love it when you look at the, 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 the armor of God outlined in Ephesians 6. The only offensive, everything's defensive except for the Word of God. The Word of God is the only offensive weapon that we have to defeat the enemy. We just got to, the Word of God, we just got to know the Word of God. We got to pray the Word of God. More than that, John tells us, Jesus tells us that the advocate, there's going to be an advocate or a helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, Father will send in name, he will, he will teach you all things and remain and will remind you of everything that I've told you. I mean, you're not going to do it by yourself. You don't have to do it on your own. I'm going to send you the Spirit of God to walk with you. See, prayer is our relational interaction with God. It's this opportunity to know God, to connect with God. It's an opportunity to share our heart with God. You see, how do we pray? I said we pray with adoration because God is worthy. We pray with expectancy because God is willing. We pray with dependency because of all that we need. We pray with humility because we need God. And we pray with faith because God is able. This is all outlined in the Lord's Prayer. And then right after that, he tells us a real quick story. And he invites us to be able to then pray with consistent persistency. He says, not just that you have the opportunity to pray, but he says, I want, you, don't, I want you to pray with consistent persistency. And he tells a story of how a friend was in need of bread and how he goes to his neighbor's house and it's late and he's in bed and the doors are locked and his kids are sleeping and he's banging on the door and he's asking for bread and the guy in, in bed is like, I, just leave me alone. I will talk to you in the morning. And he just keeps on pounding at the door. He keeps on knocking at the door. He's like, I need bread. I need help. I need bread. And eventually this guy relents and opens the door and gives him what he needs. And he says, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give you what you need if you ask? And it's in this moment that he says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be opened. Can someone say this next word for me? For, let's say that again, for, he's talking to you. He's talking about you. For everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who seeks, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the doors will be open. I don't know what prayers you're praying today. I don't know what's in your situation. And I honestly, sometimes we read this verse, and like, I've been asking for God, and he hasn't heard my prayer. And I'm not here to defend that. I'm just here to tell you what Jesus tells us. That again, he doesn't always answer the prayer that we want him to answer, the way we want him to answer, but he does hear us, and he does respond. 
And our job is not to question God or to understand why. Our job is just to keep on persisting, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on searching, keep on seeking, keep on praying. In doing so, God will change us from the inside out. Jeremiah 29, if you seek, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So do you want to see God this year? Do you want to know the heart of God? Pray. Seek Him. This is why we're doing 21 days of prayer. Because we're setting these 21 days aside to seek, to knock, to ask. I don't know about you, but I'm going into these 21 days of prayer and fasting with requests on my mind, saying, God, I need wisdom for. God, I need eye understanding in. God, I'm asking for prayer I'm, I'm believing for. And I'm just putting them on my piece of prayer from the very beginning of 20. I'm, I'm, as I pray, as I pursue, as I seek, as I knock, I'm asking for God to do something in me, to do something through us, to do something for you. We can't do this on our own, church. We need prayer. So I want to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you today. Some of you, I need you, some of you need to receive this as a challenge. To accept the challenge to say for the next 21 days starting tomorrow morning every morning every morning I'm gonna start my day with prayer I'm gonna go through the devotional I'm gonna follow the prompts I'm gonna write a little journal I'm gonna see what God can do and not just through me but what God can do in me like what can he do in my heart and for maybe for some of you this will be the beginning of a new habit that forms you in 2024. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Just close your eyes, bow your heads as we just stand and let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Father, we are just so thankful for the invitation you've given us to pray, to know you, to connect with you, to spend time with you, to share our hearts with you. We we repent, God, today for those moments and for just the, even just taking this for granted. Taking these kind of things for granted, we just, it's so accessible, but yet so many of us just pass over it. God, I pray that you would stir within us just a deep desire to know you more. God, you just stir with inside of us a dissatisfaction for our current condition. But by the Spirit of God, that you would just stir something in us that draws us towards yourself. Every one of us, Lord, doesn't matter where we are on the journey, every one of us need to know you more. Share more. Open up our hearts more allow you to change us more. God, we are constantly a work in progress. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are empowering us to, that you, that you reveal yourself to us through your word, that you reveal the word of God to us, you reveal the heart of God to us. May we not take it for granted, may we engage with it. This week, may we start this 21 days of prayer. God, I pray that it would stir something inside of us individually and also collectively as we pursue your heart today. I pray for my friends, everyone in this room, God, may they know you more and more. 
Let me continue to change their life by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope that message was an encouragement to you today. I want to challenge you to stay tuned and take a listen to Sunday Encore, where we have a more candid conversation about the practical application of Sunday's message.